I started a series last week. I actually concluded a series and we started a series as it relates to what does it mean to live a Spirit-filled life? What does it mean to be baptized in the Holy Spirit? We are a, a Pentecostal people, and I've said all along, everything that we believe has got to have its foundation in the Bible. Everything we believe has got to have a biblical foundation. And today I would at least like to start on, on what does it mean to have the priority of a Spirit-filled life. And so, Father, I pray that over these next few moments that You would begin to guide and direct our hearts and our lives. We belong to You. Everybody here, Lord Jesus, has, has either received You as their Savior or perhaps today is their day when they would come to know You in a personal way. You're not a God to be worshipped from afar. You're a God that desires to live within us and move and work and we are designed to follow the leading of Your Holy Spirit. And I pray that You would begin to just implant those things within us. And Father, I know that there are those today that may be fearful of this topic because they always wonder, what does it mean for me to give myself away to the leading of the Holy Spirit? What if God wants me to do something that is foolish? What if God wants me to do something I don't want to do? May we be able to reconcile Your love for us and Your desire for us on the foundation of Your Word and how You want to lead and use us. And so I pray that You would give clarity of thought in Jesus' name, amen. amen. I was attending a sportsman show recently and uh, was looking for a specific... For those of you that are fishermen and you love to fish for steelhead or things like that, there was a, a specific type of fly that I was looking for that I like to use and I found somebody that was making them. And, and as I was having a conversation with this gentleman... He asked me questions like, what do you do? And I said, oh, I'm a, a pastor of a local church here in, in town. And, and he said, well, what kind of a church is it? And I said, it's Grace Assembly. And he goes, I've heard of that church. He says, um, you guys speak in tongues, don't you? I just wanted to buy flies. And I said... Yes, we have a belief that there is a work of the Holy Spirit after an individual comes to know Christ as Savior and that the empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes upon us and it is evidenced initially by speaking in tongues, but that's not all there is to it. And the man steps from around the booth and, and wants to begin a conversation with me about this and, and I'm just holding flies. And, and uh, he says, can you explain to me what the purpose of tongues are. And my first thought was, that was not why I came here today. And I'm not certain that you want to spend enough time with me that you're going to lose the business of everybody else that's, that's waiting to buy these flies. And, and, and I realized I was going to need to encapsulate this thought into a very brief conversation. And I simply said, it is the way that God empowers His people to work in the supernatural ways. It's the way that God empowers His people to work in supernatural ways. And I invited him to come to church, and if you're here today, I haven't seen you, but I, I hope you bring some more of those flies with you when you come, because they work. And so in this series over the next few weeks, I want to explain the practical value and the biblical reasoning behind this important moment in a believer's spiritual journey. And my, my goal during this series is that I'm able to remove the awkwardness and that I'm able to remove the confusion that is often associated with the baptism of the Holy Spirit for some. 
And the biggest reaction from those that are new, and, and we are in a season where there are, there are new people coming all of the time, and there are new people that are receiving Christ as their Savior for the first time. Some of them are coming from other spiritual backgrounds, and some of them are brand new and have never been churched at all, so they don't really know what to expect. But the biggest reaction oftentimes is that there are people that say to me, I am afraid to yield myself to the Holy Spirit because I'm afraid of what God is going to make me do, what God is going to make me do. Sometimes that is referenced by, if any of you have ever seen the Spirit of God move in a revival setting or in a church setting and you're watching it online or you're watching it on TV, let me just tell you something, a move of God does not translate well over TV. It is something that needs to be experienced because it just looks weird. It does. I'm just being honest. Unless you were there to experience it and feel the presence of the Lord and the prompting of the Lord, it's difficult if you have no spiritual background to look at that because there are people that respond to the moving of the Spirit in different ways. I have had people come up for prayer, uh, uh, even for healing, and they're saying to me, I'm, I'm new to this. Are you going to knock me over? Because I have seen in other places where people laid hands on people and they fell over and then other people come out and drag out blankets and cover them up, you know, and, and they're wondering, what is going to happen to me? Am I going to look foolish? Am I going to be embarrassed at the way that the Spirit of God may move in my life? Let me just tell you this. Every one of us has a personality, and we respond to the moving of the Holy Spirit in our personality. There are those that are very demonstrative and very expressive, and, 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 and they may fall over, but that doesn't mean that God is knocking them over or that somebody that's praying for them is knocking them over. Because the first thing I need you to know is this, the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. The Holy Spirit is a gentleman. And so when we are seeking the Holy Spirit to be at work within our life, when we're seeking to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, you need to know God's not going to make you do anything that you don't want to do. He is not going to embarrass you. He's not going to make a fool of you. However, He does say, I will bring a boldness and a power into your life. And so my goal is that when we hear terms like speak in tongues, that we begin to understand what that means, what it represents, what it signifies within our life, because I need you to know that the baptism in the Holy Spirit is truly the gateway, the open door into a bold and supernatural life. How many of you love the fact that the God you serve is a God of miracles? If you didn't raise your hand, you've never been in a place where you needed a miracle. I have had people that I have known that have attended churches where their background was that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, divine healing, the moving of the Spirit and those things ended at the first century church. I've also had those same people come back to me when they needed a miracle and say, you know what, I'm willing to give Pentecost and the Holy Spirit a try now because suddenly I need those things to be alive and well in our world today. And so for those of you that may come from backgrounds where you said those things ceased at that time, 
I want to be able to build for you a biblical foundation for why we believe the way we do. Again, everything we believe has got to have a foundation in the Word of God because if we're going to build our life on the Word, then we need to know where that comes from. And so I want to help every person here, regardless of your church background or your lack of church background, to hear what the Bible says and to think deeply for a few moments. Do I want all that God has for me? And do I understand what the Scriptures teach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? And so one of the issues that's held so many people back is a fear, a background that's being taught one thing, families, religious traditions. But what I want you to begin to do as individuals that are following God with all your heart is this. Simply ask this question, am I following the Lord? Is my standard the Bible? Am I drawing and am I formulating my spiritual belief system and my spiritual experiences from what the Bible says? And if it is in the Bible and my background never taught me about it, then I am open to what God wants to teach me in His Word. And if it's in the Bible and my background taught me something different that is inconsistent with what the Bible says, then, Lord Jesus, I am open for the Holy Spirit to remold and remake my belief system according to your word and not necessarily according to my traditions, because I want to know God and the Bible is going to be my standard for what God says and what God does and for what God expects and for what will be the priority in my life. So all of us have to constantly approach the Bible with this kind of lens. God, if your word says something is a priority and I don't think it's a priority, I'm wrong, not you. If your word says something is a priority and I don't think it's a priority, then I am wrong, not you. And if we really want to walk in a dynamic relationship with the Lord and a supernatural experience of His presence on a daily basis and have His goodness in our life, none of us can afford to say, well, you know, I view it this way and it's different than what the Bible says because if you view it differently than the Bible, it doesn't matter how you view it because the Bible is the source of what is true. And honestly, the enemy loves for us to get so caught up in following our preferences or our traditions than we are following the priority of God's Word, that He wants you to begin to build a theology, a basis of understanding on your feelings rather than on His Word. And we live in a generation where people say to you oftentimes, and you say, well, this is what the Bible says. Well, I feel differently than that. And they've created a theology on the way that they feel or on their experiences that might not necessarily fit with the Word of God. And so we need to be people of the Word. And the Bible tells us that following your salvation experience, and I, I pray that everybody that is in this service today has had an opportunity where you have invited Jesus into your life. We, we sometimes as teach our kids we've invited Him into our heart. What that really means is that I recognize that I am sinful. I recognize that I can't change my own life no matter how much discipline I have, no matter how hard I work. I cannot earn the grace of God. And so I have to yield on the finished work of Jesus Christ who died for my sins on the cross. The blood that He shed represented the blood of all of the millions of animals that have been sacrificed to the Old Testament. And He said, for once and for all my blood, I paid the justice for your sins. I am the righteous Lamb of God 
slain for the sins of the world. And when we understand that, salvation to us means that I, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe that He died, and if I was the only person in the world, that He would have died for me. I believe that because of the blood He shed, my sins are covered, my sins are forgiven. And the moment that I receive that into my life and say, what you did for me, I receive as my own, that moment your name is written down in the Lamb's book of life in heaven, which means that you are a citizen of heaven. You are a brand new creation. The old is gone and behold, everything is made brand new. That's what it means to be regenerated, a brand new believer born again in Jesus Christ. That is the experience that ushers us into the family of God. And if you were to die one second after saying that prayer, then you would stand before the righteous judge dressed in the righteousness that Jesus Christ has earned for you. And when Satan would stand before the judge and say, I've got a list of things that they've done wrong in their life, the Father would open the book and say, Their name is written in the Lamb's book of life, and all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new in their life. They are brand new in Jesus Christ, filled with the righteousness of the Jesus alone. And in that relationship, you say, Well, how do you know that's true? Because there was a man on the cross next to Jesus that recognized that Jesus was who he said he was. And he said, Today you will be with me in paradise. That man had no chance to clean his life up. He just simply received the grace that was being extended to him. And in that moment, there will come a day when each of us stand in heaven, and we will get to meet that man who will say nothing except of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ that covered his sins. Following salvation... What's going to happen in our second service today is we have at least 12 people who are going to be water baptized. What water baptism is, is an outward public declaration of something that took place on the inside. You see, when you gave your life to Christ, you died to your old man and you're being raised up in a new man the moment that you made that decision. In a few minutes, we're going to have people that are going to be coming up and they're going to be sharing their testimony. And every one of them will talk about the intersection of the grace of Jesus Christ that changed them from who they were to who they are. And then we're going to walk into that tank and we're going to publicly announce that decision by baptizing them in water. Symbolically, I'm being buried as the old man in sin and I'm being raised in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ into new life. We are commanded to obey in that way. But let me also tell you that just as important and necessary as salvation is, and as water baptism is, the next thing that God wants every single believer to experience is to be baptized in the power of the Holy Spirit. In fact, the Scripture doesn't present it to us as an option, but it is presented to us as essential. It is something that God wants you to experience because what happens then is that Jesus clothes you in a power that is not your own. He clothes you with a boldness that is not your own. Regardless of whether you might be shy or whether you might be quiet or whether you're outgoing, every one of us in our personality needs to be clothed with the power that comes from being baptized in the Holy Spirit. And over the next several weeks, I'll go through several reasons why that is important and what that does for us. But I want you to know that the supernatural experience of God working in our life, you cannot know it in any other way. Now, I'm not saying that you cannot experience God's working 
within you without being baptized in the Holy Spirit. But what I am telling you is that you, if you are satisfied with merely being saved, even though that's an enormous miracle, then you're missing out on how God wants to use you to influence the world around you. Say, well, what, what must I do? Part of it is you believing. Part of it, and, and maybe what is most difficult for people, is you yielding. I mentioned last week that one of my character flaws is that I like control. I, I just like predictability and control. When I am seeking God and God begins to work in my life through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and, and I begin to allow Him to give me a prayer language that I do not understand, I have had to come to a point where I say, it's more important for me to be obedient and yield to you than it is for me to be in control. And that's where the first hurdle of fear comes from. Well, I, I don't like giving up control. Well, you gave up control when you re recognized that you didn't have what it takes to save yourself. And if you can trust God with your soul, you can trust Him with His power in your life. You can trust Him with everything else. You are seeking a God who loves you more than anyone in the universe. And He will treat you out of that love. And He will respond to you out of that. Maybe some of the questions that I get from time to time are, well, I have known people that's, that claim to be baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I didn't see anything about their life that seemed extraordinary. In fact, I've seen people that claim to have been baptized in the Holy Spirit that aren't living lives that even glorify God. May I just tell you that the way other people live is irrelevant to you. You don't have to stand before God and give an account for what they did. You have to stand before God and give an account for your life and how well you allowed the Lord to work through you. This is one of the biggest criticisms, I believe, of the church today is that people say, well, if that's what God is like in their life and they live such a lousy testimony of the Lord, then I don't want anything to do with their God. And I believe that there will become a day when we will have to give an account for that. Did my life draw people to God or did the way I live my life and the way I speak and the way I treat people repel them from my God? Did I allow your spirit to lead me in such a way that the attractiveness of the nature of the spirit drew them to you through me? Or did I let my flesh react and respond in such a way that when people saw me that you were ashamed that I carried the title of your name? And I believe that each of us have to answer those questions, but I want you to know don't dismiss what God wants to do in your life just because you've seen lousy examples of it in other people who have claimed that. I have seen a lot of Christian people that I didn't see a single fruit in their lives, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't want to be real to me. What other people do with God's gifts is irrelevant to what He wants to do in and through you and me. So what I want to do, and, and honestly, I'm not even going to get a chance to, to get into the meat of the message today. This is, this is simply an introduction, and, and the second service will probably get this introduction next week. And then I'll preach to you the rest of me. I just want you to know this. Next week, I'm going to go through scriptures that I want you to highlight and that I want you to read, and I want you to read them in the context. I, I, I have difficulty with preachers that take a verse out of context and make it mean something that it didn't mean. 
And so we're going to be talking about the context of Scripture. Why do we believe? Why can we believe? Why can we seek the Lord in these things? Because of the context in which the Scripture. If there's nothing more that I can say, I want people that walk out of this church to say, we've been taught well in the Word of God, and we have something that we can stand on. And I'm going to have a list of Scriptures that we're going to build our basis of understanding of what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. But before I conclude, I just want to give this one example because this question has come up a number of times this week. I've had people say, Pastor, I, I have been seeking the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I believe that I have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I haven't spoken tongues yet. I have had such an experience with the Spirit. I felt so alive and so real that I know I've been baptized, but I just haven't spoken tongues yet. When we get into the Word of God, you're going to begin to recognize that there is an initial evidence. It doesn't mean that God hasn't been moving in you, but here's the illustration I use. You know, when we get to Mother's Day and Father's Day, there are always a number of couples within our church that are expecting their first child, and she's pregnant. And during that time of pregnancy, there is this moment of time when the mother begins to feel that baby move within her. And she'll often tell her husband, hey, great. Let me take your hand, and, and he'll put his hand on her stomach, and, and you begin to feel, and you, then you try to guess, is that a butt? Is that a knee? Is that a head? Is that an elbow? You know, you just start guessing at, at the way that this baby is moving. That mother and father, from the moment that that child was conceived within her, became parents. However, the child hasn't had a birth date. Though they can say, I'm a parent and I feel this child moving, there's something, there's an experience of parenthood that's taking place. It is not until she goes through a delivery time and her husband standing there next to her begins to recognize this woman is way stronger than me. Every husband, when they go through the birth of their child, begins to recognize, oh my goodness, they are a superstar. And that baby is delivered and begins to cry. And the doctor then looks up and says, the time of birth is, and gives a time. And a birth certificate is signed. And that child, which has been alive and they've experienced for nine months, now has a birth date. That the process of birth is completed and the process of life begins. Let me just say, for those of you that said, I've experienced a moving of the Spirit, I haven't spoken tongue yet. The speaking in tongues, according to Scripture, is the initial physical evidence. It is the birth date. You may have been pregnant with the Spirit up to that point in time. You may have had experiences with the Spirit up to that time. But that becomes the evidence that gives you a date that from that moment on, I now know that something changed in me because of the completion of the process. Does that make sense to you? Does that make sense? Worship team, I'm going to ask if you would come. And, and that was the introduction. And by the way, I want you to know that if you have questions, please don't be afraid to come and ask me. Some of the way that I'm going to develop this is I need to know what you're thinking and I need to know what you're feeling and I need to know what you've experienced so that I can address this in a biblical way. Because I believe that what God wants to do in our church as He leads us forward is for a Spirit-empowered church body to begin to take ground from the enemy. It's time for Syracuse to have revival. It's time for Syracuse to have a spiritual awakening. And as I said last week, it might be because spirit-filled people are walking up the chip aisle of Wegmans. 
and feeling the direction of the Spirit saying, I don't know why, but I feel like I need to go talk to that person. And some of you are going, well, if that's what the baptism of the Holy Spirit is, I just want to stay in my room. I... To that, I would simply say, when you stand before God, do you want to stand there empty-handed? Or do you want to bring people with you? Do you want to stand there empty-handed and say, I made it. Very selfishly, I kept to myself everything that God did in my life. Or do you want to bring an army of redeemed with you? Because God used you.